You are listening to the First Baptist Jinx podcast. To learn more about FBC Jinx, including our gathering times, visit us online at fbcjinx.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Cody Brumley. All right, well, good morning, First Baptist Jinx. It's good to be with you, family. And if you are new, um, I am Pastor Cody Brumley. It is uh, great to meet you. Uh, at the end of every service, we always give an invite to these double doors right back here. And that is a place of your guest. We want to meet you, give you a little gift, get to know you some. And then also, if you've been here for a bit, be like, I'm ready for a next step. A next step in my faith, I want to grow some more, or I need a next step in the church, that's the spot for you right after service. So come visit. We'd love to get to know your story some. Uh, also, if you're a kid in here, not normally in here, but you're like, I'm in here today, raise your hands, let me see them. Family worship day. I see those hands. I see this one doing that motion. I like it. Okay. Hey, kids, we're so glad that you are in here. As a reminder, every time that a Bible is open, God wants to tell you something. Every time. So if it's in your house, if it is in the car, if it is in the Sunday school uh, small group rooms, if it's here. So no, God has something he wants you to know today. Parents, lean into it, right? You're the disciple makers in your home, so just lean into those talks. Uh, we are in a new series. We are a summer in the Psalms, and I couldn't be more excited. Uh, some of you are like, Cody, it's not technically summer. Hey, I know, all right? But I love summer, and so we're just going to start because I'm excited about it. And I'm more excited even than that about Psalms. Quick, uh, unscientific survey. Who is like, hey, Psalms is one of my jams. Like, just raise your hand. Like, I love this book. Some of my people. Okay, this book is incredible. Go ahead and open your Bibles there. Open to the middle and hang a left just a little bit. You're going to find 150 Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 1 today. The book of Psalms is 150 songs that were written throughout Hebrew history that God led them to collect and organize into five books to make it a prayer book for his people. A prayer book that would allow God's people to be moved to live according to his law as they wait and hope for a coming kingdom. That is why he gave it to them. And in the way that it works for them, it still works for us, right? These are 150 songs that move us to walk according to God's plan as we wait and hope for the return of Jesus. So, so they are very good for us, but they also hit different, right? they, they hit different than their histories and the narratives and the, and the letters because they're, they're poetry. Poetry is the most mobile of truth. It's memorable, but it also moves from our head to our heart quicker than anything else. And so in that sense, you can look at this and think of this, uh, I was going to say mixtape, but that's not as helpful. Um, that's what we made back in the day when commitment was a thing right? These are the only songs that can be on here, and it's done. So um, playlist, this is like, this is God's playlist for his people. As if God took a moment out of Hebrew history, and he said, here's 150 songs that I want you to know. I want you to hear. I want you to fall in love with. I want you to, to realize I love these songs. And he gave them to us to move us, and that's what they did for me. And that's what I want them to do for you. So we're going to spend the next several weeks in them because they should move us somewhere. That's how music works. That's how poetry works. And for me, in my personal life, this is what opened up my relationship with the Lord. I was young, learning how to read the Bible, and then I got into the Psalms. And it didn't just teach me things about God. It taught me how to feel about God. And that's the gift that this book is. It doesn't just teach us information. It teaches us how to feel. And it's a great permission giver. This book gave me permission to love God deeply and to believe God completely and to ask really big questions that a really big God alone can handle. 
This book gave me permission to express doubts that I had about the way that God orchestrated things. This gave me permission to cry out to God, to yell at God, to celebrate God, to weep with God. Like this, th- this book, it's like standing next to a very um, unself-aware person. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like someone who, like they're just, they're just being them and they're not really worried about who's around them. At the, if you don't know what this is like, I sit over there on Sundays. You can just come hang out with me. Because when, it's, when the music's going and those things, like, I'm in. And so if it's exciting, there's going to be this. I'm going to say, come on. And you're going to be like, why is he asking the band to go somewhere? They're busy. Like, I, I don't understand. And, and there's going to be some of this. So you have to, like, be ready to duck. Because I, the Bible says raise hands. And I get excited. And this is that way. It's standing next to people that get excited when it's time to get excited. And sometimes I'm going to sit down and I'm going to weep a little bit. You're like, are you okay? Yes. I just have a faith big enough to handle the whole range of emotions that God put in the world. So yeah, I'm great. And that's what's gonna happen. And this is 150 times you get to stand right up next to someone going through things in their life and God documented it for our good and his glory. It's a beautiful and good thing. By the way, as I described like me over there worshiping, the thing is you you don't have to be moved that way, all right? Um, if, if your favorite team were to win a championship and your move is to sit on the couch and do this, yeah. Great. That is true to some of you. You have been moved deeply. I, on the other hand, like, I'm not going to stand up from the couch because I would have been standing the whole game. That's why. Like, I, th- my favorite team wins. I'm high-fiving neighbors that I haven't met yet. Like, that's, that's who I am. So, so I'm, I carry that same emotion into my relationship with God. So it's not that you have to be moved a certain way. Be moved genuinely. But not being moved isn't an option. And that's what the Psalms teach us. They move us from the tensions of our humanity that we experience and the fullness of emotions and hurt and joy and celebration from the tensions of humanity into the truths of the holy. Every psalm moves you from tension to truth. It anchors you there, and that's where we need to be, and that's why we're going to study Psalm 1 first. Psalm 1 shows us why it's so important to be rooted in truth. It starts like this. It says, blessed is the man. It's the first words. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1. It introduces this idea that the, the author has seen the blessed life. There's two Hebrew words for blessed. One of them is when you receive favor from God. The other one is you observe someone's life, that they, they, they're favored by God. This is the second one. Man, blessed. That person over there, they're living the good life. This is what the blessed life looks like. So the psalmist says, I've seen it. He says, let me tell you where it's at by first telling you where it's not. He goes, the good life, the satisfied life, the blessed life. It is not walking in the counsel of the wicked or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of scoffers. That's not where you're gonna find the blessed life. Now, if you notice there, there's a progression he goes, someone who's blessed by God. They're, they're not going to be walking in the way of the wicked. Wicked meaning that those who, they reject any thought that God has authority over their life. It's the definition of wicked, right? But, but I, I get to make decisions, God doesn't. Well, they, and they're not listening to their counsel. It starts with listening. So they're not going to walk over there and listen to them. And then it says they're not going to stand in the way of sinners. Sinners, people that miss the mark. People that do not love God and they do not love other people. They just love themselves, right? So that person, the sinner, 
I'm not going to stand with them. I'm not going to be a part of what they do. And I'm not going to sit in the seat of scoffers, scoffers. The idea of people who've gone so far from wicked to sinning to scoffing. They sit and they're cynical and they're jaded against anything that's not like them. If it's not like them, they're going to mock it. They're going to laugh at it. They're going to brag about how sinful they are and how little they need God. That's a scoffer. And the psalmist says, you want to know where the good life is? It's not there. And did you notice the progression? From moving, walking, to standing, to sitting. It's the idea of putting down roots. If you've ever been to the Tulsa State Fair, you know what I'm talking about, right? You walk across a lot of things, and there's people, you know, saying all kinds of stuff. And if you're walking by, like, you might hear it, but you're not like, oh, I do need a magical self-cleaning kitchen. I didn't think, like, I didn't know that was a thing. It's like, you can hear it, but, but if you stop, now you're standing in it. Okay, now, so, so now we're kind of there. I'm kind of thinking, hey, this is, the, this is what I need to change my life. I didn't know. Apparently it is. And then you know if you sit at the table, you're done, right? You're signing away like your house, but you've got a brand new bed. So that's exciting. You didn't know you needed a mattress, so you went to the fair, and then you got one. And, so, like, and that's the movement, though. Walking, standing, now I'm all in. Nobody sets out to have a life where they're jaded and angry and cynical and they mock holy people. No, but it starts by listening and thinking, oh man, they've got something over there I need to know. They've got something I'm missing and now I'm gonna be a part of it. I'm just gonna be around. I'm not all of them. I'm just gonna be around it. And then eventually you look down and you've put roots down. And that's who you are. That's not where the blessed life is. Where is the blessed life? The blessed life is in verse two. His delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Now you would think that the psalmist would say, oh no, the blessed life is somebody who walks in truth and who stands with the saints and who sits among the zealous for God. But he doesn't talk about behavior, he talks about belief. The blessed life isn't about where you find yourself and what you surround yourself with to find your identity. The blessed life is about what's inside of your heart and your mind. The good life follows what you think about and what you love. And he says the good life is the person who delights in the law of God. And on the law of God, he meditates. The word law, Hebrew word, Torah, normally it means five, the first five books of the Bible, but it's, it's bigger than that. It's the word for instruction. So you can think of that word counsel in verse one. There's those who walk in the counsel of the wicked, and then the good life are those who walk in the counsel of God. The ones who listen to the instruction of God, not, not just listen to it, but they delight in it. They love the counsel of God. They love the leadership of God. They believe in that. They, they cherish it. And there's a cycle that you see. And this is the most important thing because this is the application. I know we're not to the end yet. This is the application already. It says, delights in the law of God. In the law of God, he meditates. And so it becomes this infinite loop of the more that I delight in God's law and his counsel and his leadership, the more that I'm going to meditate on it. And the more that I meditate on it, the more that I delight in it. And it's this feeding cycle that just produces life in you. You meditate and you delight here. He says, this person is putting their roots down in the right place. This person, verse three, is like a tree. So what he's going to do here is now he's going to illustrate it. So uh, Hebrew poetry, if you didn't know this, uh, parallelism is to Hebrew poetry what rhyming is to English poetry. When I was a kid and I was reading the Psalms and I was like, these are supposed to be songs. And I was like, well, they're not very good. They don't rhyme and they don't have a good hook. 
And so, I, like, that's what, that was my thought. And so, uh, then I learned that what they're doing, the way that Hebrews did poetry, wasn't rhyming. It was through parallelism. So they take a thought, blessed is the man. And then they either reinforce or explain or contrast or illustrate this thought. So blessed is the man. We're going we're to contrast it. Not the one who walks in the wicked, but the one who delights in the Lord. Right? So we're explaining and contrasting. And now we're going to illustrate it. We're going to give you a picture. Why? Because our brains function better with re- repetition and with pictures. So we're going to see a lot of parallelism over the next several weeks. All of these lines are building off of one key thought. So what is this blessed man who delights and meditates in the law of the Lord like? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. That's the picture of the blessed man. I've got a picture of a tree. In case you're, okay, so there you go. That's a tree, my friends, in case you were wondering. It's big. It's huge. It's got leaves. It's really exciting. That's, that is the man who delights and meditates in the law of God. The one who loves what God has to say becomes that. And it says not just any tree. It becomes a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. So if you're looking at a tree expecting fruit, it's always going to be there. When it's supposed to have fruit, it's got fruit. And its leaf doesn't wither. Never, never falls, never fades. It's got these beautiful leaves all the time. You know that there's life in that tree. You don't have to wonder, is that one dead? Nope, never withers. And that word planted, by the way, it's a, there's two Hebrew words for planted. There's nata and then there's shatal. And it's the second one, shatal, which is uh, to replant, to, uh, to transplant. And so when we see planted by streams, you should think intentionality. You should think, wait, I mean, the person who runs here, God meets him here and moves his life beside streams of water where he's fed by that source. Now, he contrasts that with chaff. And I've got a picture of chaff behind me as well, if you couldn't tell which was which. So, that, uh, as some of you are like, did you really have to label the tree? I don't know if you went to plant school, okay? Maybe, like, if you didn't know, now you know. So there's the tree... These could not be more opposite, right? Chaff is the husk that goes around a piece of grain. So imagine a single piece of grain. If you were to take it in your fingers and rub it, there'd be this outer coating that just breaks away. That's the chaff, not the grain, the outer coating. This small, tiny, lightweight, frail, temporary thing. They would get rid of it actually just by throwing the grain in the air. And the chaff would just... That is how unrooted and unconnected it is. It says the wind just blows it away. Do you you guys feel the tension between these two? The wicked and the blessed? The ones that want to take counsel in themselves and other people like them and then the ones that take counsel in God? One of them has deep roots and is successful and the other one is nothing. And you might be like, all right, easy solve. I'm going to delight in God. Except there's a problem, right? Right? Because in here, it says that the tree prospers, but the wicked not so. The tree that we saw, like, it's prosperous, it's strong, it's good. Chaff doesn't prosper, doesn't last. But in our minds, we don't always think that, do we? In our minds, we can look at people's lives who think nothing of God and go, man, they've got some good things going. Like, they actually have some stuff that I want to have. They might have the life that I want to have. They might have things that I want to have. And that's why the psalmist in Psalm 10, in Psalm 73, he mentions the rich kind of in the same category in Psalm 49. 
That's why the psalmist says, the wicked prosper, the evil prosper. Because the psalmist at times, they know that we're supposed to be rooted to God, but they look at the life around them and they're like, man, they, their life looks great. They're doing just fine and completely rejecting God. That's why we need this psalm. This psalm was written to protect our hearts from believing that lie. So looking back at the text, whenever he says, the end of verse three, in all that he does, he prospers. I want to make sure we're really clear about this. In all that he does, he prospers. And Jeremiah 17 helps us understand it. So Jeremiah is similar to Psalm 1. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 says, Blessed is the man, there's that phrase, blessed is the man, I've seen the good life, who trusts in the Lord. So in case you were wondering, delight and meditation, that's based on trust. If you trust God, you're going to run to his instruction, run to his law. You're going to choose him over anyone else. By the way, his track record is better than all the chaff. All the other people with all the other insight and all the other counsel and all the, oh, we've got it figured out today. It's not going to last. He says it's trust. So blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, delights and meditates on him. Whose trust is the Lord, delights and meditates on him. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Sound familiar? And does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So Jeremiah has taken this poem and he's expanded on it in a way that helps us understand what's happening here. Whenever we read, all that he does, he prospers. Don't confuse it with everything he does prospers. Because that's a lie that can be woven into our thoughts. Okay, well, if I'm good with God, then my life's gonna be good. Which also means if my life's good, if my circumstances are good, my situations are good, then I must be good with the Lord. And that doesn't add up. Because even the, the wicked can prosper. Our circumstances, our situations, the heat, Jeremiah says, the drought, Jeremiah says, what's on the surface is not a measure of life. What's under the surface is. He says in all that he does, he prospers, Psalm 1. Which means whether it is good, whether it is hard, whether it is easy, whether it's enjoyable, if it's celebration, if it's drought, it doesn't matter what's going on on the surface. Whatever I put my hands towards, I prosper. My soul and my spirit prosper. That's what it means. It means that in your life, there may be seasons of drought. There may be times that the heat is on. There may be times that life is unbearable. There may be times of brokenness and hurt and you feel left alone, and yet, in the midst of all of that, because you've been rooted by the streams of life, because underneath the surface, you are diving deep here and driving your roots down to trust God and delight and meditate, because you've been here, doesn't matter what's happening on the surface, there's life. People look at your life, and they're like, okay, it shouldn't be this way, right? With, with everything you've got going on, you didn't plan on that surgery, and you didn't plan on those things. Like, with all of that, brother, like, you should just be mad. You should be mad at God. You should just be blown away. Just give up. And yet, I'm talking to my brother Seth, and we're just having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yet, I look at you, and there's joy, and you're serving. There's good. It doesn't mean the situation's easy. But there's life in you. That's what this means. When you have situations like that, that, everyone goes, you shouldn't be this way, but I see your life is in bloom. There's fruit from your life. 
That's what this means. That's where the good life is because the good life is so deeply rooted in God that the, sur- the surface stuff can't change you because God, you're by the streams, your roots have gone out to it, you're drawing from something deeper than what's happening on the surface. And it's not just what's under the surface, it's what's on the surface. It says there's gonna be fruit in your life. There's supposed to be. Now, what do we know about fruit? The fruit is not for the tree. The fruit's for other people, right? Have you ever seen a tree eat its own fruit? That'd be weird. Terrifying. Run away. Unless it's Groot. Get an autograph. But like, trees, trees don't eat their own fruit. Who's the fruit for? Other people. This is where, when you are drawing from a deep well of God's instruction and counsel and love and care for you, when you run to the word over and over and you let him fill you, people show up in your life and they're blessed by you no matter what else is going on in your life. They find joy in your life and peace in your life and patience in your life and kindness in your life and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness in your life. They find self-control coming out of your life and they go to you and they're like, how does this happen? And it's not because you're like, bear fruit bear fruit, bear fruit. Like you, that, that's not what happens. The reason we bear fruit is through no power of our own. Our thought as believers is deep roots, deep roots, deep roots. Because if we run here and we focus on deep roots in the truth, God is gonna bear the fruit in season. And people are gonna look at you and that, that's when someone shows up and they're like, oh, Cody, like, that was so good. I'm like, I'm glad you, glad you think so. Any of that good was just like from the Lord because all I'm thinking about is like, God, I wanna be rooted in you. This is no power of my own. It's no power of your own. Instead, God's replanted you. And so that's what the, the good life looks like. But it's not just about this life. He goes further. He pushes it in chapter, or in verse five. It says, therefore, Right, Because the wicked have no root. Because the wicked are connected to nothing of substance. It says they're blown away by the wind. By the way, who controls the wind? The Lord. So whenever you look at someone else's life who rejects all the things of God and you're thinking, man, they've kind of got a good thing going on over there. You remember, God's orchestrating all of these things and in a moment they could lose it all and their spirit and their soul is crushed because they have nothing of substance underneath it. And you do. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. God could take away everything in this life, and some of you have experienced it, and he is still enough. That is a confidence that nothing else offers but the Lord. And whenever you look at their life and you realize they've got no root, because of that, it says the wicked, they're not going to stand in the judgment. When the wind of God's judgment comes, and it comes for all of us, we will all face the judgment of God. Whenever that shows up, those who rooted themselves in their life and in this world and in what they wanted, they will be blown away by the judgment of God. And those who ran here in faith and surrendered themselves and recognized I'm nothing but chaff, they get to stand in the congregation of the righteous. Sinners don't. Those who run to God do. So it starts there. It starts with recognizing you're chaff, you're the sinner, you're the wicked. We all are. And we have to recognize that and say, God, I don't want to miss out on the good life, so I'm going to run to you. I'm going to turn to you. And in a miracle only God can do, he takes chaff and turns it into a tree. When was the last time you thought about that? That your life was 
nothing and anchored to nothing and had nothing, but then God stepped in and replanted you by the source of truth and the source of good, and you've been like, God, I deserve to be that, and you've made me this. God, I can't thank you enough. And there's some brothers and sisters in here, some in our last service I talked to. You have walked with the Lord longer than I've been alive, and your roots are deeper than mine are, and you have seen him produce more fruit, that you know what I'm talking about is true. Praise the Lord for that. And you know it's true because verse six, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked perish. Then we get back to that word way, right? There's a way. Delighting and meditating is the way that leads to life. And then walking and sitting, standing, the counsel of the wicked leads to death. There's two different ways. And it says the Lord knows the way. The word knows, uh, if you're familiar, Hebrew, that's an intimate word. God is intimate with the ways of the righteous. He's involved with the ways of the righteous. When you run here over and over and you say, God, I'm going to feed on your word. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to delight in it. That's what invites God into the daily interactions of your life. As you memorize this, as you hide it in your heart and put it in your mind, that is what has God intimately involved with shaping your life. And if your life is going to stand today, if your life's going to bear fruit today, if you're going to have people look at your life and say, man, I see life in you no matter what's going on today, and ultimately, if you're going to stand before God one day, it is not because of your own strength. It is because you gave yourself entirely to the God who already chose to do this for you. So that's, that's the invitation, is to give yourself to the Lord again that way to be known, to anchor yourself in truth. And it's not just a one-time decision. There is a, it starts with a, with a decision. It starts with recognizing your chaff and saying, God, I don't, I don't want that one which you have for me, and so I believe you. But then the reason we need the Psalms is because we need a daily reminder. We need something we can memorize. We need something every morning I can wake up and say, blessed is the man. That's what I did this week. I started studying this text, and I said, all right, I'm just going to practice this. Every morning I woke up, I said, blessed is the man, the good life the satisfied life, the life that never lacks and has everything it needs is connected here. Blessed is a man who doesn't get tempted to run over there and see what all of this is about and think that they've got a better life. No, I know, already know the end of their life. I know it doesn't stand. I know it changes like the shifting winds. But this, let the winds come, let the drought show up, let the heat come on. I am so deeply rooted in something that's unshakable and that's what I want for you, church. That's what the psalmist wants for you. So here's the challenge. Right now, recommit yourself to being deeply rooted. Because where your roots are today determines the fruit that is produced tomorrow. So as we go into a time of prayer and worship and response, I want to ask you to, I mean, I mean it like if you're a planner, get after it. Recommit. God, what am I going to do to put my roots deeply in you? Let's pray together. God, your truth, um, I'm so thankful. God, I'm thankful for these songs, these memorable pictures that you give us, that whenever we think maybe life could be better without God, maybe life could be better without his instruction, whenever we have those thoughts, Lord, that you give us this to draw us back moment by moment, day after day at work, 
walking around uh, the city, just being a part of our regular lives, God. You are calling us back over and over to say, no, put your roots with me. Put your roots with me. Trust me. God, help us do that even now. Lord, would your spirit meet with everybody in this room even now so they would have thoughts of, you know, I can do this to deepen my roots. I can do this to make sure that my mind and my heart are fixed on God and not on my circumstance, not on other people's information, not on other counsel. God, would you give them ideas even in this moment to recommit to you the deep roots that lead to the blessed life. Lord, we love you. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. We hope that you've been encouraged and challenged to take steps closer to Jesus. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, share with your friends. It really does make a difference. And lastly, make sure to follow us on all of our social media at FBC Jinx to keep up with all that's going on in the life of our church. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.